try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's It's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It's a science place. It's a scientific fact that we are all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it, welcome to it, and also welcome to it, tonight's episode. Episode 288, 288 episodes of this show. Can you believe it? I can scarcely believe it. But, uh, yeah, they're all there. They're all there for free. Uh, go get them, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, normally I'm, I'm start- starting to develop this pitch. You'll see how wooden this sounds this time. Um, so, yeah, anyway, welcome to Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. I am your host, Conan Neutron. I am a rock and roll lifer who has toured and recorded for over 22 years. Most known for the band Conan Neutron, The Secret Friends. Music is a huge part of my life, and I use the format of this long-running podcast to talk about music with musicians whose work I enjoy and respect. Folks that may or may not be household names, but do something very special. This is episode 288. If this is your first time listening to the show, all the archives are at ProtonicReversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you'd like to support the show and get an episode sooner, you can give $1 a month to patreon.com slash protonconversal. And if you like the show, or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along, like, subscribe, or post a review. All that helps people find the show, and it's just a darn nice thing to do. Okay, so there you go. Uh, I am doing the thing that other shows do now, and letting you know about all that stuff. Of course, tonight's episode, episode 288, with my, with my friend John... John, I, I didn't actually know his last name was uh, was Dusky for years. He was just John Akimbo to me for many, many years, as in the grand tradition of the punk rock. But of course, Akimbo, Sandwriter, uh, Tomorrow We Die podcast, uh, cousin, cousin to the show, if not, uh, if not brother, and uh, now Nuclear Dudes. Uh, John, welcome to the show, dude. And uh, you know, hey, we're I was on your show. Now you're on my show. It's a uh, the circle of life. <laughs> I cut it. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so you've got this new thing, this new band. That's a one. It's yeah. not a one man band in the fact that you have like symbols between your legs and are, and are clapping them together. But it's a one man <laughs> band. Is that it's basically a one band outfit. And it's called Nuclear Dudes, and it's it's pretty rad. And it's one of those bands that's very difficult to describe. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. I, I have what I would say about it, but I think I want to watch you twist in the wind first. So why don't you try to describe it? Uh, I mean, it's just kind of like extreme metal blended with uh, synth. That's kind of what it is. Um, and 
yeah. <laughs> I was going to say synth adventure metal, so it's not really that, yeah. that much different. But uh, yeah, it definitely goes places. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, but I dig it, and it definitely. <laughs> Look, I've heard people's COVID records, and uh, this does uh, not hit the same as other people's COVID records at all. Uh, is this something that you've wanted to do for a while? Because you've always uh, struck me as a guy, you know, you're wildly creative. I know you had like a, 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 a kind of one, one man thing that you were doing when I very, like, very first met you, like many, mm-hmm. too many years ago. Uh, yeah. But yeah, how did, this, how did this come to pass? Like, how did, how did you decide that like uh, Nuclear Dudes is the way? Yeah, uh, I, I did very briefly do a one-person thing uh, in my 20s when you and I like first met. Um, I basically wrote a black metal album on a modded PlayStation using, <laughs> using some software. Uh, and As one um, does, yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I never released it, um, was going to do a solo thing. It just didn't pan out. Akimbo took off. That, that was like the thing to do. Um, and I sat on that album for a long time and had no intention of ever releasing it or going back to it again. It's just the thing I have that I like throw on every now and then and go like, ha that's funny. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, I mean, nuclear dudes is, is definitely essentially a COVID record. It's a COVID project that started because we're all shut in going nuts. Um, Sandwriter yes. was essentially came down to Sandwriter was halfway done with writing a new record right when the lockdown started. Um, I wanted to keep writing and so I figured out how to, I'd never messed around with any home recording stuff. I just figured out how to do that so that we sandwriter keep passing each other, you know, stuff, riffs, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, the, it, it, when it first started, it was like, oh, this might be a couple weeks. And then it was like, oh, this might take a couple months. And then it's like, <laughs> okay, this is going to be long. Um, and yeah, I found myself sort of like with increasing amounts of like anxiety and stress and with no creative outlet. Um, and so, yeah, it started as, well, maybe I'll just make like some really crazy wild grind metal um, with like, I'll give myself the project of like, I'll write one song a week and on the weekend I'll finish it. And then whenever this is over, I'll have like a catalog of like ridiculous, um, you know, one minute power violence songs. Right. Um, and then in that pursuit, I sort of, uh, I realized that my ambitions were better than my physical skills. Like I can't, <laughs> my hands cannot play metal in the way that my mind wants them to. Okay. Um, and so, but I had some songs that I liked. And so I sort of like, sort of like, how can I fill in some of the, some blanks here? Um, and then I started playing with synth. Uh, and there was like one song that I wrote, which is um, called bad at sleep. It's the title track of the first record. And yeah. when I wrote that song, it clicked. I was like, okay. Yes this is sort of like the theme for the whole project. Right. And then once I applied that to the other songs that I'd already written and sort of used that as a template going forward, then it was just like, okay, this is, this is not just a fun thing to do on the weekends to pass the time while the world burns. Right. This is actually a super fulfilling project that I have, you know, I'm going to put a bunch of energy into and um, really, really stoked on it. Yeah, because it, it doesn't have the feeling of something that's tossed off. It doesn't have the feeling of, of something that's like, oh, I'm just doing this, having a laugh, right. whatever. Like it seems <laughs> yeah. it seems very calculated and not to put too fine a point on it. If you're looking just to like do a thing for people to listen to, pretty bold. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. There's all that. I, it's wonderful to hear that, right? It, yeah. 
we all deal with imposter syndrome and we're all our own worst critics. And so oh, yeah. when you're, when you're doing a solo thing, um, that voice tends to get really loud. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I hear the voices of imaginary critics all the time when I, when I sort of think about it. Right. Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> imaginary critics that do not hold the, we'll call it breathless indifference that actual yeah. real critics probably would have towards something that they don't already know. Uh, right. but, but yeah, yeah. And no, I mean, it's, it's impressive, man. Like the, the, the clear dudes record is, is, I mean, it's, I dare say like it, you could be someone that just likes kind of that genre of music and doesn't know from Akimbo or Sandride or Tomorrow We Die or anything. And like, you could be like, oh, this is good. I enjoy this. You know, like I always think of like, I feel like the fucking champs had a lot of fans that could list off all of the, 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 the various, um, <laughs> the various, uh, uh subgenres of metal and like the touchstone bands of those of mm-hmm. which I gave you know just my mind would go somewhere else like it, it would go back to like deep purple riffs when people start talking about that but like uh but the people that are into that kind of thing are really into it and it feels like this could be something like this, if Aquarius Records was still around this would be like something that Aquarius Records would pick up on if that makes sense yeah. That'd be killer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I don't want anyone to, if, I, if anyone picks up on it, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> well, wait to get that protonic reversal bump, baby. We're talking two, right, right. three I'll be, I'll purchases. Watching, yeah. Watching the data. <laughs> so, uh, and and I think that that's, that's awesome because it's not like you've been keeping idle or anything. Of, of course, you know, we were, mm-hmm. we were, we were joking about the, uh, you know, the, 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 this being revenge for me being on Tomorrow We Die. But t- Tomorrow We Die, I consider it like a cousin. It's like your cool stoner cousin podcast for me. Where it's like, <laughs> uh-huh. you see them in the holidays, like, oh, hell yeah, someone I can talk to right yeah, on. for sure. And it's not even necessarily that you live the same kind of life. You're just like, oh, finally, someone I can hang out with at the holidays. Uh, and I, I love the show. I honestly and earnestly listen to it, uh, you know, regularly, if not, if not every episode. And I find it to be, for me and for my taste, the best of that style of podcast which is ultimately like a tour story podcast but of a, of a certain kind so mm-hmm. how did you and jeff first come up with the idea for doing that and when did that transpire because i think I, I was a pretty early adopter but like i it definitely occurred to me when i first heard of like oh why isn't like why haven't like 20 people done this already yeah yeah i know um i think we launched in like 2019 or 2020 or something like that um it came that Tomorrow We Die started because I wanted Tomorrow We Die, and it didn't exist. Right. Um, I like I wanted a podcast that was about what underground underground bands go through on tour, and that wasn't necessarily puff pieces about the band. Although I think you know Conan, you and I are the same. Like we we don't hold back when it comes to gushing about the guests we have on our show. Right. Right. Love it. <laughs> Um, I get annoyed but, when people do. I'm like, how are you going to have, you know, so-and-so on? You're going to act like, you know, whatever, Average Tuesday. Yeah, like, totally. you, man. Totally. I've heard your show. Sorry, go ahead. Um, uh, <laughs> Not so, your show. The, the pejorative you in this yeah, case I mean, is so different. Yeah, yeah. Pr- pr- <laughs> yeah no, I, 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 um, so, so, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I work in an office when there aren't plagues. Um, I do a lot of car commuting. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I love podcasts. Um, and uh, just, you know... I have so many memories of being on tour and I have so many, um, you just have so many awesome conversations with other musicians when, when the subject of tour stories comes up, right? Like everybody's got one, everyone who's done it I've ever met has got some sort of like wild or funny or scary something that happened to them on the road. Um, and, 
And they would, I would just go through periods where I would be like, okay, I'll, I'm going to search. I'm going to do like an, ex, an exhaustive search of the podcast universe. And I'm going to try and find this show because it, it's such a good idea. Like somebody has to have done it. It has to be out there. And I, would I was never able to find it. Um, and then one day I was looking for a podcast on, on my commute, stuck in traffic. And I couldn't, I was again looking for the tour story podcast, some kind of tour story podcast. And I couldn't find it. So I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> it's time. Let's just do it. Let's yeah. just make it. Like I, it's like I know it will be good, just based on conversations I have with my friends. And that was really sort of like the template for the show, right? This is it's musicians sitting around, cracking beers, telling stories about tour, and that's that's what it's supposed to be. And, and yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, what happens when you get people to play music together? in a room like after a show is it like you know oh man you'll never believe we stayed at this place this store and, and like you get into these kinds of stories and it's not yeah. usually like the hey this awesome thing happened it's hey this crazy thing happened this yes. like nuts thing that like sounds like it's from a, a movie occurred and like you'll never believe that how we got away you know like like that kind of totally. that, that level of, of, of thing and i love that like those are the ones that like when you think about like the camaraderie of doing this preposterous thing together Mm-hmm. And uh, having this, you know, as you mentioned, for like little to no money, certainly oh, little to no recognition. The, the sales, <laughs> the sales pitch is awful. Yeah, it's like this sounds awful. I don't want to do that. Yeah, like, why would you do this? Why, why would you? Why would I do this thing? That sounds like a yeah. terrible idea. Like literally anything yeah. else you could do would probably be better, other than maybe being a stand-up comic. But you know, other than that, like yeah, go write an app. You'll have a better time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it as as a pitch for like a show, it's like, oh man, let's have all those like nut stories, mm-hmm. and let's have them. You know, uh, th- there is a structure to the show, but I like that it's it, it is freewheeling. I mean, of course, I like that. You heard the show, because uh, <laughs> I feel like everybody. Oh God, I'm gonna get in so much trouble. I feel like some shows they adopt a structure that has been created by previously existing shows. Mm-hmm. And that seems to work well for them. It's familiar, like a blanket or something. Uh, and that's nice if that's what you're into. I'm not. When I listen to the form of podcasting, I enjoy the ones that like where things get a little messy and they try something different and crazy and so on and so on. And to have this show, which to me just literally seems like hanging out with your friend's band like after the show. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's genius, really. And yeah. uh, it's <laughs> as evidenced by the fact that you have all these different types of people. You have, like, you know, dudes from Red Fang. But you also have, like, you know, these all these different musicians that the correlating factor is, like, no, no, the point isn't that you know who these people are. And if you do who totally. they are, you didn't always totally. know who they are. And they still were doing this. Yeah. We've gotten some we've gotten some listener feedback, actually. There were people are have asked us to say, will you please put the name, like, showcase the names of the bands right. on the episode. Right, right, right. Um, and my opinion is no, we shouldn't. Because <laughs> that's it's it's not a puff piece about those bands. I mean it is because, you know, we genuinely I genuinely love everyone everyone's art that we've had on the show. Right. Um, but it's about it's about the individual and what they went through to do the thing. Um, and so I, I I feel like weirdly strong about that. Like it's not it's not about showcasing the band. I mean, obviously we will. Like when we try to market the show and like get people to listen, right. um, it's like it's great. You know, we have when we have like 
Brian Cook on, who's been in Russian circles and Bosch and these arms are snakes. Like you can put that up in your little Instagram ad and it, that show does really well compared to the other <laughs> yeah, yeah. shows. Yeah, suddenly right? uh, but, people are listening to that one. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah but like <laughs> the um, like who's this neutron character? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> totally. The the I mean the the point being is that like the the Red Fang tour stories are good, but they're not necessarily better than like the Corey exactly. Brewer tour story. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And if you look at it on a big scale, like I don't want to hear tour stories about Judas Priest. Like they're my favorite band in the world, but sure. I don't want to, I don't, I don't care. They're getting about, good. Like, like, Oh, you, <laughs> you had, you had a kerfuffle at the hotel trying to get the suite for Halford. Like I don't, that's not a tour story, right? The, the best stories are going to come from the people who you've never heard of who are, suffering the most <laughs> trying to play the worst show you could have possibly imagined right and so that's why i feel like it's it's really about the person that you're talking to it's not about what bands they absolutely yeah, absolutely and, and, and that makes it relatable in its way too because i mean i remember having martin yatkins on and he was talking about when he uh joined up with killing joke and how um you know dude was like writing lyrics about heart how hard it was to hang out in first class and it's like mm-hmm. it's like my mm-hmm. dude that is not what are you doing with this? Like that is not that is not relatable. Yeah. This is not going to do what you think it's going to do. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I just think it's it's fantastic that it reminds me of why am I doing this? The the not just mm-hmm. not not just the ethos of that phrase, but, right. the, but the documentary. <laughs> yeah, the documentary. Yeah. That it, it's uh, not just about one band. Or it's not even just about two bands, or ten bands, or twelve bands, or twelve hundred bands. It's about every band. Yeah, and that's what makes that documentary powerful to me. Yeah, it's the through line, and you could have like the the choice of bands was fantastic. Yeah, and the choice of people to speak on that that movie was fantastic. But you could have grabbed another twenty, thirty people, and it would have been the same movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> some, some different stories, some different personalities, but it would have been right, the same. right, right, right. Ultimately, it's not going to be that much different because it's a, it's a shared yeah. communal experience uh, by anyone that that has lived that life in whatever capacity. Even if it's something that we're like, hey, we tried it, you know, we tried it out and it wasn't for us. Okay, fine. You yeah. know, you're still going to have like some stories of why it was. You know, you had this grand epiphany that it's 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 not almost famous or whatever. You know. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> what 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 did uh, what did Dan Moore say? It's like. You know, you start thinking it's like almost famous, and it'd be more like the road. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. It's like we're we're gonna be playing the screaming fans, and then the reality is you're just pushing a shopping cart down the <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I and, and I love that. So I love hearing, like I said, and it's one that like it's one of the few shows that I'll listen to any episode of, of Tomorrow We Die. You know, it doesn't matter if I if I know the band or not. I don't really care about like the, the band. Like you know, maybe I do, maybe I don't. But well, I mean, Conan, are there any bands you actually don't know? <laughs> I feel like you literally know them all. <laughs> Fair, uh, but but I mean, like it's even people that even people that you've had on that I know very well. It brings out a different side of them when, when you're you're telling those kinds of stories and you're and you're having mm-hmm. that kind of interaction, and yeah. I think that's fantastic. And I, and you know it's it's for me it's I appreciate the podcast that has like the niche that does the thing right. It does the thing mm-hmm. that it says that, that it says that it does. Uh, whereas this show is just like you know freaking wild card. 
Uh, but <laughs> so, so yeah. much yeah. in the way that I love like one-liner reviews, that's not what I do. Like for uh, for like movies and stuff like that, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate yeah. it. Sure. <laughs> like so, I appreciate uh, you know when it's like, hey, this isn't just tour stories. It's tour stories for like you know basically the the, the ragged edge of the doomed that are doing this. <laughs> right. Right. And and, and that's yeah. what makes it special to me is because there is always that element of like. You're hearing these stories, you get caught up in, and then you get be like, "Oh no, you're in danger! You're in danger now! Don't be yep. in this situation!" <laughs> Especially as yeah. adults, when like maybe as a 22 year old, you're not gonna feel that way. But as an adult, absolutely. <laughs> later yeah. on, you're gonna be like, "Oh no, my god!" And that, and that's yeah. Or as special. a 20 year old, you don't even realize that you're in right. danger. Like you wouldn't have street smarts yet. Like <laughs> you right. just have no idea. I'm just gonna go yeah. and get a burrito. No, don't, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Like oh man, like one of the stories that. Uh, Joe Plummer told was when one of his bands was like, he was in a band with some, I can't remember which one of his bands it was. Um, he was in a band with uh, somebody was in his, in his band was like a really good mechanic and they um, were having band problems and they like were in a parking lot and they saw the same model of van that they had uh-huh. like just right there. And, and they were like, I bet we could swap parts. If we can get into that van, I bet we could swap parts. And, <laughs> and so their mechanic, their mechanic band member, they like, I can't remember the details. Oh, I heard part. this one. Yeah, yeah. I, re- yeah, I you remember go this back, one. Yeah. Go back and find it. But like, yeah. like, I don't, I can't remember if they literally broke into this guy's van or if they just popped the hood and they just like swapped parts. And, and that is absolutely the kind of shit you do when you're in your twenties and you're on the road and you're in a town you're not going to come back to. And there's like almost no accountability but like as an adult, you'd be like, that's I, messed I think, up. Like, yeah. you, you could get murdered for that. Like yeah, you could exactly. get shot. You could be literally right. killed for that. Yeah. That's where your story is. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. It's good stuff. Yeah. I, well, absolutely. And that and that's what that's what makes it a good show. And it's also you know, you know, it's not an overwhelming amount of episodes like uh, like some shows. Um, I mean, <laughs> we go at the speed of life, Conan. We go at the speed of life. <laughs> no, but, but I appreciate that. Like it, it, yeah. it's, it, it, it seems like there, there's a look. Not this show, clearly, but some shows. It's like it's like <laughs> look. It's not it's not quantity, bro. It's uh-huh. you know it's quality. I do both, uh-huh. of course, but you know not, yeah. other shows I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that you know you it's it makes it easier. It makes it a less daunting entry point for people. You know. Sure. And also, yeah. I appreciate that you know it's not just you, but but it, but it's Jeff who, by the way, Blood Hag came up. We played Minneapolis just recently, mm-hmm. and it came up at the uh, you know the 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 post show the next morning. Hey, we didn't completely lose our ass uh, uh, breakfast. That like Blood Hag randomly came up in conversation. You know, because uh, uh-huh. Blood Hag is exactly the kind of band that like other people in bands are like, oh man, you've heard about Blood Hag? You know, amazing. They're legendary man. They're yeah. legends. They're absolute legends. So yeah, Jeff. From Bloodhag is my co-host. Um, I, c- I couldn't have a better co-host. He's amazing, and he's great too because he, you know, he's th- th- that's another guy that, you know, he, in his way has has lived that life. So it's sort of like both of you guys are coming from a very lived experience for it, but then also you're not interjecting too much of yourself into it except for when it makes sense to do so and like when yeah. when it's relevant. And it makes for a fun show. Anyway, tomorrow we die. Like I said, it's it's, it's, it's the stoner cousin of the of this show. <laughs> yeah. totally. Totally. Uh, but look, 
Like we barely talked about Akimbo, we barely talked about Sandrider. When you talk about both those bands immediately, let's do it. Let's get in there. Because I actually that. wanted before before we even had Tomorrow We Die, I was like, oh, I should have John on. I should have John. And this is like you know, I'm talking about like four years ago or something. And, yeah. Uh, and just being like, oh yeah, yeah, I should ask him. I should ask him. Oh yeah, I'll get to that. And I, you know, whatever. And it, that happens a shocking many mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I always felt that uh, Akimbo was a band that impressed me very early on because you had your own sound and vision even even if and especially when the crowd wasn't necessarily down for it no <laughs> yeah and that appeals uh, to me that that's uh, mm-hmm. most of my favorite most of my favorite bands are like that uh certainly kindred spirits <laughs> to a certain degree yeah. but i was mm-hmm. i was like oh no like th- these guys are doing the black flag thing they're like they're playing like their life depends on it you know whatever you just Here's here's the twenty five minute clock and like that's how long you have to live like so you better make it count pretty much yeah 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 so when you conceived of doing that you uh, when when Akimbo first came together there there were of course um, multiple lineups multiple guitar players especially but you and Nat kind of locked in fairly yeah. early right and did yeah. you just have an idea of like hey let's make a cool heavy band you were like let's just make a band or no no it was it was an evolution for sure. Um, so Nat and I met as freshmen in high school. Um, there were zero punk rockers in my high school. Um, I'm in gym class one day and I think I had a, my gym shirt, I had sharpied some band logo on it. I think it was a dead Kennedy's logo. Sure. Um, and in walks this kid wearing a gym shirt that is sharpied as well. And it says anarchy shall prevail. <laughs> Fantastic. And I was like, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to make friends with that guy. Um, and I was playing guitar. I think I was in my first band with with another good friend and, a, and another guy at our school that played drums. And we were like, we we're just doing Nirvana covers, right? We were just like yeah. just figuring it out. Um, and and I remember like, okay, like like we met in gym class and stuff, and. We would like see each other around school and i remember thinking like man if this motherfucker plays drums i'm gonna be so happy um and i talked to him when i was like hey do you, do you play any instruments he's like yeah i play drums and it was just like it's like the universe was just like making yeah. it happen right and it's like it just became gravity like you just let it let yourself get pulled to, just, <laughs> to whatever just, whatever's guiding you at that moment right? just dooming you for the next 10 years yep yep and <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we emotionally embraced, and that was that was the start, right? Um, yeah. So I mean, we would we would, we would practice as mom's house. We had, I think, three or four, probably just three, like early high school punk bands of just you know figuring it all out. Around the time we were in community college, um, we started Akimbo, and originally Akimbo was um, uh, I played guitar. I grew up playing guitar. And then um, I heard No Means No, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah. this band is special. Yeah. And then they came through town, and I saw No Means uh, No, yeah. and that changed my fucking life. That was like, oh, I didn't know a bass could do that. I didn't know a bass could sound like that. Um, and so what I wanted to do, I just, like, I immediately, like, I was working in a restaurant. I think I had a bunch of cash from tips. I was like, went to Guitar Center the next day and bought the cheapest bass I could find. Some crappy Ibanez. It was like made out of part of a board or something. <laughs> <Right>. um, 
<laughs> Although I feel like those those I think like those guitars are coming back into style, probably due to oh, the yeah. price. Yeah, no, I mean, I like Ibanez is, is forever cursed in my mind as a terrible instrument because yeah. it was my first bass. It was very cheap, but I, I recognize that they are actually quality instruments. Yeah. Um, but I did the No Me's No thing. Like I just plugged it into my guitar amp and just started writing songs. Um, and then, and then yeah. So like, I think my personal original inspiration for Akimbo was like I wanted to mix No Me's No and Motorhead. Nice. That's basically what I wanted to do. Uh, I mean, mission then, accomplished, <laughs> you know. Like. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, like our, um, our our first dedicated guitar player was very much into more like the um, like the emo scene and sort of like the, uh, you know, a bunch of the like the late '90s sort of like uh, screamo stuff that was starting to come out around then. Um, and so he had that. He had like a different take on aggressive music, mm-hmm. which I think actually think was really cool. It definitely wasn't what the band ended up being, but there's like there's a couple of vinyl releases from the early days that were really like like pretty interesting, right? Like he wanted to do like keyboardy stuff, and he was really into like angular guitar parts and starts and stops and stuff like that. Um, and so I think yeah, the first the first seven inch and split are sort of representative of that, um, and then it didn't work out with him. We, we did our first. That was with uh, Teen Cthulhu, right? Like ninety nine, yeah. somewhere around there. Like yeah. I remember, it was right as uh, we were getting going. I remember, like the timeline was almost exact, which is yeah. Cool. So this is when we were all we were all like on Spockmorg at the time, like, trying to <laughs> oh man, trying to like grow outside of our local areas. Like okay, I need to network. There's like MySpace doesn't exist yet. Like I need to network outside of my city. How do I do that? And yeah, yeah. Spockmorg was this cool like email. Email thread that e groups. Um, it was an e group. Yeah, e group. <laughs> Later to become um, a Yahoo group. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a bunch of like underground artists like trying to connect. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's how Conan and I met. That it's is. Email. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, um, Mark. You did one thing right. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, so <laughs> they did Kimba did a couple releases. We did a West Coast tour with Kyle. Kyle's wasn't feeling it. He quit two months before our second West Coast tour, um, which. At the time, I was furious, but I don't fault him for it, right? Like, if you're not feeling the band, you didn't enjoy the tour. Yeah, it's the next one is coming up. I get it. Like, bail. Don't you don't have to do that. Yeah, no, nobody's um, making you do this. Exactly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, so he he quits like two months before our next our second West Coast tour, which we're really excited about. Um, and so we're like, this is one of those like tests for Nat and I that sort of like helped set the pace and the, the tone of like how we just did it where it's like stopping is not an option always keep going <laughs> so yeah like canceling the tour was inconceivable to us we're like we need to find somebody who can learn these learn this shit and go on tour um and we knew we we were friends with this guy burke and burke was in a he's the kind of musician who's in a million bands right. all the bands are, are great like they're all excellent um, his life was just like playing shows. Um, he had a bunch of great gear. He could play guitar. He could play bass. He could play drums. It was just like, I guess we'd call it Burke. Right? He's a good yeah, guy. See what he's up there. Yeah. Of ours. So we called up Burke and, and he was just like, yeah, like didn't even bet. And he's like, yeah, tell him I'll join the band. Let's go on tour. So we, we taught him set to the West coast tour. Things totally clicked, had a great time and started writing with Burke. And I think that was, that was when he really brought the black flag style. Oh yeah. Um, that was and that was all him and then like we all of us loved classic rock as well so it was like we did the first album harshing your mellow with burke which was like very like very punk very black flag mm-hmm. 
a very, uh, like a lot of knowing to know influence in there too. Um, and then, uh, and then Nat and I started getting really obsessed with Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and that's what sort of like the, the blues rock riffs started getting incorporated was after that. Yeah. And I, I, again, I find it so interesting too, because at, at, at the time, you know, I was, I was coming at it from a slightly different place, but you know, it started off as more a noise rock concern then gradually got more classic rock as time going, went on too, yeah. Yeah. but in a very different way. And so like, I recognize that I'm like, Oh, oh okay, cool. They're going for like these big arena rock stompers, but like they're also doing their thing that makes them akimbo. And so it was interesting to see that growth pattern, but also still to have that same intensity of just the, yeah, these are the last 25 minutes on earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, go, <laughs> go <Yeah>. forth. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think Kim, Akimbo was always like the live experience was the most important thing. Yeah. Right. Like we, we cared about making good records, but, um, you know, being in my forties now, I wish we had cared a little bit more. <laughs> right. I mean like, so yeah, no, no patch to harsh and your mellow, which, which I, which I like, but I think like when, um, when you moved over to Elephantine, like it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a pretty, it was a pretty step up, and then uh, so on and so on. There was a, there was a very clear progression. Uh, talk yeah. to me about those early records, because I think that like some people, especially like at, you know, if they came in on navigating the bronze, let's say, you know, and like yeah. kind of went backwards, and like there, there's an air of mystery about it. Was like, yeah, there, ain't, there ain't, there ain't no mystery. There's me and four other dudes at that show, and I do say yeah. dudes with impunity. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, let's see if I can. How much I remember about? I don't remember yeah. a lot about writing harshing your mellow other than it was it was i remember it being easy um and i remember like it was really exciting because um i was at a phase in my life where songwriting came easy to me so i would have ideas a lot and then burke coming to the table with a fresh take on right. a bunch of those songs was just like super cool and inspiring like so we were getting all this injection of like new energy and stuff and i remember writing that album feeling really easy um, and then when we recorded it, we recorded it at a studio in Tacoma called Uptone. Um, and we singled out that studio because there's, uh, an enemy mine album, the ice in me, uh, which was, I'm familiar. Which was, yes. Which was recorded there. <laughs> um, and then we found out later after we booked the session that also, um, see average second reckoning was recorded there. <sighs> um, but like when the ice in me came out, I was elated. And I, and I was just like, I want to, I want my albums to sound like this. Yeah. Um, underrated records, by the way. Like that. Wild underrated record. Yeah. That one, that one should probably be a little bit more legendary than it is. But I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's huge. Um, so yeah, we recorded at Uptone um, with the goal of having it sound like the Ice and Me. Sounds nothing like that album. Um, <laughs> because they, I think they had, they had 10 days in a budget and we, we had enough money for three days. So right. we tracked in two days and we mixed in one day. Um, and yeah, that's how that album came together. <laughs> yeah, and it's something that, like, there's an energy to it, right? Like, it's sort of like, I, I would say, like, as a song, I mean, how can you not like a record that ha- that has a song title that's When I Am King, I Will Spit on the Corpse of Rayman Zarek? I fucking hate Rayman Zarek. He's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a douchebag. Yeah, that guy sucks. <laughs> it's such a douchebag. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I love that, you know, you're deadly serious about about what you were doing, but, like, you, there was a sense of humor to it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, 
uh, what, what was it? Fuck Everett, fuck Tacoma. Just like, yeah, man, <laughs> Which, <laughs> that holds true. Although Tacoma's coming around, Tacoma's, Tacoma's, Tacoma's doing better. Tacoma's doing Tacoma's a lot better around. these days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At the time, uh, at the time you didn't want to, you didn't want to hang out in Tacoma too long. Yeah, it, it was so just like the sassiness to it <sighs> and the, uh, you, you know, the, the attitude definitely. Yeah. Uh, came forth and, but then okay so then you got harsh or mellow and that's like what 2001 right and then mm-hmm. elephantine that's the next record right yeah yeah and so also we've been um we've been approached by a label from boston to do these records which like blew our minds at the time yeah the way it came the way it came about is we had the uh the seven inch and the split came out in seattle there was a guy pretty sure his name's joey um bought those records and was like going to shows back then and then he he went he moved to Boston to go to college and made friends with this dude who's about to start a label, and somehow the seven inch got past this guy and he loved it. Um, so we just get an email one day saying like, "Hey, I'm starting a label from Boston. Um, do you guys want to be on it?" And like we couldn't believe that someone on the literal other side of the country right. had like heard the band, liked it, and then wanted to like put money into it. Like what? <laughs> Yeah, which all of those things except for the last one are like wildly easy now, right? Yeah. But like at the time, I was like, "Oh my god, how did you did you go to our mp3.com site?" You know, like okay, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that that just wasn't a thing. Did one of your friendsters <laughs> tell you about this? You know, <laughs> totally. Um, so, so yeah, so and then we recorded Elephantine, um, recorded at this awesome venue which was actually a church as well as a music venue run by the Mars Hill church in Seattle for a little bit. Um, and it was like a vital venue for Seattle. Like yeah. tons of touring bands got shows there, tons of really, really awesome shows happened there. And then it was just sort of like accepted that like, Oh, and by the way, they, they hold mass, but it's like weird Mars Hill church. That <laughs> oh yeah. By, by the like, dubs. Yeah. Huh. I was like, okay, well, uh, well, I'll, we'll all gloss over this because we can play here on Wednesday. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, so we did Elephantine there. And I mean, I think I have my favorite Akimbo record, um, but I think Elephantine is a lot of other people's favorite Akimbo record. And that was, that was one, that was like the second record with Burke. I think the band was yeah. really coming together. Um, and, and this is also when like sort of the, the Sabbath obsession was starting to like, get its claws into the songwriting. I mean, I remember hearing Delilah specifically and being like, mm-hmm. Oh, these, Oh, Akimbo's meaning business. All right. They're, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not mm-hmm. playing around. Like this is, this is, this is some real, this is some real, real stuff happening. Funny thing about Delilah. We wrote that like the week before we went into the studio. Oh re- <laughs> yeah. How yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. We had the whole album ready to go. And then Burke's like, I've got this riff. Yeah. And we just like, it, it just clicked. I'm just like, that's good. We'll put it on the record. Yeah, it sounds, <laughs> sounds, sounds okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it, it's it does seem to be a record that has sort of found its audience <laughs> years and years after it has come out, right? Uh, you know, as as happens someday. But you know, you know how it goes. Sometimes, you know, your your sometimes your your children go on and they uh, go to <laughs> Ivy League college, and sometimes they work at the Seven Eleven. You know, some yeah, yeah. <laughs> we but love them all. all. Remember that that <laughs> high school basketball game, right? Um, exactly. <laughs> So, but so like we finished recording Elephantine, um, and our label took forever to finally press it and put it out. We toured on that album hard. You guys were playing a lot around this time. I remember it, that. It yeah, never and and like 
we we turned on that album hard and like our whole set was songs from that record and then nobody could get those songs it was like it was very frustrating for us at the time we kept checking in with our label being like when when are we going to get this thing and i remember like like blood brothers were like blowing up at this time and like they were buddies of ours like we'd grown up together in the same area and right. and like we had um we had a like a five-week tour supporting the blood brothers coming up and we're like will you please get this album out for this like crazy tour that we're about to go on and they're like oh this is going to be amazing yeah tell yeah. them they didn't, they didn't get it out nope. still touring <laughs> on harshing your mellow you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah but yeah open to you well but but again that's to me that was when other people started to kind of catch on for you guys as like a really ferocious live act like it was sort Definitely. of like oh this is yeah. a band that even if even if you don't know who this is like whatever awesome band they're on the bill with they will hold their own or better Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, no, that's definitely when it felt like people were were cared, you know. <laughs> so when you think like, so what other bands? So that's like what two thousand three, right? What other bands do you think you had like common cause with around that time? Because I feel like there's an untold story of like that era of of the two thousands that mm-hmm. like I don't I don't know who's gonna tell this story. It's not gonna be me. I'm too busy. But like there, uh, where, where there's a bunch of like interesting and cool, heavyish, noisy bands, but it never. You know, nobody at Pitchfork Media covered it. Like it wasn't like, you know, yeah. like therefore it didn't happen, which is crazy. Yeah, but that's funny. I'm trying, I'm trying to wind back and think of like who else was was doing it really well at that time. So I, I remember like, so we were still like best friends with Tinka Thulu at the time. Right. I think they were, they either had just released or were about to release their one full length, which is phenomenal. Ride the Blade, which came out on Life Is Abuse. Um. I remember 400 Blows was a big fucking 400 Blows. That's then. I was just going to say 400 Blows, actually. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> let's see. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's not a quiz, man. Don't worry about it. But yeah, yeah. No, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to, like, 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 plumb the depths of, like, who are we excited to play with or, like, who. Yeah. But, but, um, but, but it seems like, yeah, there was a lot of like big business was like starting to spool up. I don't remember the exact timeline. That might have been like 2004. Um, but there was a lot of, ex- to me, it felt like there was a lot of exciting stuff. Rubido, you know, that's yeah. why that kind of came to my attention. Yep. Um, I just feel like there was a lot of like interesting and kind of cool, noisy, and heavy bands around the time. A lot of it coming from the Pacific Northwest, even though it didn't seem like there was anything like really tying it together necessarily, other than. Yeah. Oh, and like uh, I think Harkonnen had just signed to, uh, yeah, yes, uh, Hydrahead around then, and that was a big deal. I think Botch had already Botch had already turned it in, stopped playing. These Arms of Snakes was was getting big around then. They were they were just starting out. Yeah, yeah. So when you're when you're thinking about that time period, you know, like is is that kind of uh, so that's a so what that seventh rule, right? Like the seventh rule did that one and the the one after that. No. Uh, so that, this was Amalgate out of Boston. That's right, the, the Boston one, the Boston one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They came out yeah. later. Uh, it was like re, um, the because uh, Seventh Rules, um, Portland. If I remember right, right. He lives in Portland now. He was Chicago when we met him. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And actually, it was on that. It was on that Blood Brothers tour. Um, <laughs> Scott Plaster, who who ran Seventh Rule, was doing sound at that show. Okay. Um, and I think. Uh, we had some interaction that was like not friendly at all. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't, re- he remembers it really well. I can't remember what it was. I think I maybe have told him something mean with the F word in it. Uh, yeah. While we were setting up or something like before the show. Cause you know, he's the sound guy. He's focused on 
having the show run smoothly and sure. he wants to make the headliner happy, you know, like, yeah. um, but then you play it, we changed his mind. So <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. 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 Inauspicious beginnings, so to speak. Yeah, uh, yeah, but okay. So, so the so the rec- when the record finally comes out, are you just like so sick of those songs that you like you never want to play them again, or what? I mean, like, no, no, I don't think so. So we we were also like we were in an interesting position too, where um, like when we first asked Burke to join the band, he was like full throttle. I'm gonna play music, and then um, within that time frame, he started to like focus on career. They want to go to school right. um, and sort of like, you know, get a get a plan B together, <laughs> which I don't fault them for at all. <laughs> right. Um, which, as it turns out, uh, maybe not the Mountain Worst idea. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so so Burke was kind of like, I, I don't think I can tour as much as you guys want to. And so our plan was um, we like to have Burke in the band. We love him as a band member. We love him as a musician. Riff we don't writer. want to lose... Yeah, we don't, want, we don't want to lose what he's bringing. Um, so I think I had this cockamamie idea of like, well, maybe we'll be a four-piece and tour as a three-piece. We'll get another guitar player yeah. who will write and play Seattle. And then when we go on tour, we'll just tour as a three-piece. Um, so we did that. So we got um, our friend Dustin at the time, who was also in Teen Cthulhu and was like a long-time you know, teenage friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, so like, this transition is happening as Elephantine is coming out and Tinka Thule is breaking up. And, um, oh, the other band I was going to say was Iron Lung. We met Iron Lung. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, and we totally clicked with those guys. I think we'd done the thing where we booked two shows in San Francisco in one day because you could do that back at Mission Records yeah. when they would do a matinee show and be like, all right, because, again, Akimbo was all about going as hard as you can, as fast right. as you can, no breaks. So we're like, oh, if we can do a matinee show at Mission Records and then book another show that night, then we get two shows in one day. We we did that with big we did it with big business, and it was a, a matinee at the Hemlock, and then we went and played the Uptown like later later that day, and it was hell awesome. Yeah. And it, it was like yeah. hell yeah, this rules! <laughs> I love that yeah. stuff. And and what yeah. and two people went to both shows, which I'm like, I salute nice. you. Nice. Uh, nice. I, I, and as I'm saying that aloud, it probably would have been the Whip around this time, not not big business. Would've, okay. Would've been yeah. Yeah. Big business yeah. Yet, um. But yeah, I remember. Uh, so like, we played f- like first or second on that Mission Records show. Yeah, and then, Mission Records, man. What a yeah. True heads yeah. will know. Yeah. First of all, then, respect that they would just let anything happen there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they like they booked Akimbo and Tinkathu on our first tour, yeah, and it like, was whatever. We don't Ar- know, sure. This was Artemis Pile. Artemis Pile. Set up Artemis our show Pile. <laughs> with, uh, with um, oh my god, yeah, those dudes were no joke, man. Yeah, that that band blew my mind. Um, but anyways, yeah, just, and the, just to, to wrap up the end, anecdote oh, yeah, really sorry, quick. Sorry, sorry. I remember we, so we, we play this, this mission record show and we're stoked to get to the next one. And I remember loading out of the venue as Iron Lung starts playing and yeah, I was yeah. immediately filled with regret. I was like, right. Oh no, yeah. this band is phenomenal. I yeah. want to stay and watch this. Uh, but luckily I think, I think Cortland had watched us play and, and he was like, Hey, cool set. That was cool. And we like chatted a little bit right before I left and, um, you know, those those guys became intertwined with a bunch of the Northwest bands. had a, had a good chance to meet them later on, and hopefully have them on tomorrow. We die at some point. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's another one. So so, but anyways, yeah. As Elephantine's coming about around, we're sort of like we're sort of in this like we call it identity crisis, but we're like trying to figure out like how to maintain how, how to t- how to keep everything we have and also keep going. 
Right. Um, like, so, you know, yeah, Burke's try... rad. You want to hang on to Burke because <laughs> you, what you are doing is very special with him. But by the same token, he's not going to road dog it anymore. So you have totally. to figure out a way to work. Yeah. It, right. So that became the model for like the next couple of records. And City of the Stars was the first one that we did that with, um, where it has two guitar players, but we toured as a three piece. Right. So how did that change like the writing process for the band that way? Because you got like you're you're, you're bringing in you're bringing in a lot of expectation to a certain degree, but also like taking away some expectation that, you know, Burke's probably like, Hey, cool. Like I like doing this. I'm glad, you know, you guys aren't moving on, mm-hmm. but by the same token, uh, you know, that's also kind of crazy to try to pull off with, a, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. so I hear anyway, the multiple lineups. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think the fact that we were always a very like base forward band helped. Um, yeah. with the the bass being so like voluminous and part of the live experience that um it's it's harder to get like a big it's harder to record a bass that sounds like a bass that you're in the room with with a band like akimbo or like no means no or like motorhead or unsane you know like i think all those like we're just removing Akimbo from the equation completely, just like as a, as an observer of other bands that that are very bass forward. Like I think all those all those bands have great records where the bass sounds good, but it's never the same. It's does not hit the same live at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, and yeah. that's that's very that's very real, and it, that's that's kind of the struggle of being a band that, that kind of sounds like that. Because for me, like Akimbo very fit very nicely into a certain type of Pacific Northwest music heavy music that also kind of seemed like, oh, yeah, but also a little AMREP in there as well. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah. And totally. there's a couple ways you can go with that. And, like, it was like, oh, yeah, but when you see them live, it's like, oh, man, here comes the tidal wave, right? It's like, like oh. yeah, yeah. And how do you yeah. get that on a record? You know, good luck. Yeah, it's hard. Um, so, I, I, like, in a way, it was actually, like, it helped, right? You had two guitar players on a record to try and, like, yeah. create a little bit more texture. Um, but then when you show up live, it's like, I mean, it is better with two guitar players live, but with yeah, um, like it's such an assault live that I, th- I think it was like um, Dave Harvey in Olympia. We did a show out there once, like as a three piece. After he had seen us a couple times as a four piece, and yeah. he like pulled me aside. He's like, "The three piece is so much better." He's like, "I can hear, I can hear what you're doing. I can hear the guitar." He's like, "It just kind of, it's better." And I was the like, the oh, separation. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, but yeah, that, that's what was going on during city of the stars. I, I have to confess that I cannot, to me, city of the stars is an unlistenable record. I cannot listen to it. Really? Wow. I, um, the engineer who produced that album, uh, is extremely talented. Um, but he was the wrong fit for us, gotcha. I think. Um, and, uh, it just, it's not. It's not what those songs sounded like. It wasn't the energy of those songs at the time. Um, so, yeah. If it makes you feel any better, and I don't know if it will, I always forget about it. Yeah, good. good. I like. <laughs> I never like. Honestly, when I was thinking about your discography, I forgot it existed. Like yeah. earlier, I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that one." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know why. I like, mentally redacted it for some reason. So it's fine. It's, it's, you know, yeah, it's whatever. fine. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, we do that one, and we tour on it. Um, and then that's like, that's when like the shit really started going was forging. Right. For, forging steel and laying stone and laying pipe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that'd be the outtakes. 
right, which forging steel laying eggs. Yeah. Uh which is you know, it it seemed like so do all right, so then would the is is the experience of doing city sort of like, okay, we're we know we're gonna do it this way. We're gonna record it in this fashion. Like what did you kind of double down a little bit on that? Um yeah, that seemed that seemed <laughs> at the time, foolishly, it seemed sustainable. It's like, oh, this is fine. Um Right. So yeah, it was like Dustin left the band after City of the Stars. <laughs> we needed a new guitar player, still wanted to keep Burke. I mean, Burke wrote a bunch of killer stuff on Forging Steel Langstone. So yeah. that, again, like proved out to be a good decision. Um but yeah, yeah, he so, almost seemed to adopt like a Des role. Uh, um, uh, sorry, a Dukowski sort of role in the band. Uh, to sure, yeah, degree, totally. Right? <laughs> Where yeah. it's just sort of like, oh, he's still part of it, even though he's on the road, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, and he would he would join us for for chunks too. Like yeah. it would, when he could, he would like we'd do shit where he'd like fly into New York and take a cab to the show, and then fly home from you know <laughs> Texas or some shit like that until when he needed to be back. Right. Um, yeah. It was just all about flexibility, flexibility, and just like an absolute drive to just make sure that we didn't have to stop for any reason. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we get, uh, we got, <laughs> we found this guy, Patrick to take, uh, Dustin's vacated second guitar spot. Um, and I have to confess, we didn't know Patrick. Well, we were just fans of his bands. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of had to do a little bit of, like digging to get his contact information. Um, but he was in the scene and we, you know, he he knew us and he knew who we were. So when we we got in touch and asked him if he wanted to you know come to practice, he was super super excited. So we did that, um, and yeah, that's that's how we wrote "Forging Steel and Stone," which was our first album on Alternative Tentacles, <laughs> which is insane. I can't believe I say that out loud. Yeah, like, it's just wild to me. Like as a kid growing up, like being supposed to the Dead Kennedys when you're like 14, um, and then buying dead Kennedy CDs and like open it. Cause they were so good about marketing. Yeah. They had those fucking catalogs that were just like this thick. Yeah. 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 And, and you're like, Oh my God, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> <of> like, <laughs> like a hundred punk albums you've yeah, never like, heard of. <gasps> and it was just like, like it was like exactly for people like me, like I'm yeah. getting into music and I want more. I'm insatiable. And look, here it is. Here's a fucking shopping list kid. Like <laughs> save your money. Um, so yeah, it's just wild that, yeah, we ended up making a record, you know, being part of that and sort of like, did, did somebody put a bug in Joe's ear about it or did he finally, Oh, it's a good story. Or... It's a good story. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't think I know that, or if I know it, I've forgotten it. So, or actually yeah. I know okay. it. Please so tell the listeners. John. Thank you. There's a Melvin's poster on the wall. Oh yeah. Oh, me here. I do know the story. Um, yeah. This, this poster is, is part of the story. So, um, so we're on tour. Uh, we have a show get canceled in Pittsburgh. And I think we're like two days away. Um, and again, Akimbo refuses to stop. Um, we refuse a day off. That is that is a sin. Rest is not permitted. If, if you're not playing, you're paying, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, so we do the thing, which is like, uh, a tactic that some touring bands kind of do sometimes, which is like, okay, we're going to be in these areas. Let's look up what shows are happening <laughs> and start getting in touch with those venues to see if we can open. 
or get on. Or like, I've, we'll ne- I've never heard of such a thing. It's, it's, yeah. I've never heard of it. Yeah. So we start doing that thing. Um, we, we look up and we see what's happening in the area and fucking Melvins are playing in Pittsburgh, the same town that we were supposed to be playing. And Nat, our drummer had, was the last drummer of the type rows and type rows were type rows with the Melvins. And so Nat knew, knew Dale pretty well because, um, Dale and Maureen would hang out with the type rows a bunch. So total Hail Mary. Nat's like. Maybe we can get in touch with Dale somehow and see if he'll put us on the Melvin show. And then like laughing at each other at the absurdity of the thing that we just said. <laughs> right, right, right. We'll, we'll put the Crover signal up into the sky and see. What <laughs> right, totally. Uh, but it fucking worked. I don't know how. Like Nat just like fired off a couple emails to some people. It ended up getting around to Dale. Dale was super cool about it. Um, but we didn't. <laughs> it was a funny thing. We're like we hadn't heard anything. It was the day of the show. We were maybe like four or five hours outside of Pittsburgh. Um, and we had nothing to do. We were in some dude's apartment who had let us stay there. And I remember like waking up in the morning and like through this chain of emails, Nat had gotten like a phone number. He could call like, I think Dale's phone number. But we were really like, we're not going to fucking cold call Dale. Like, <laughs> like Oh man, like that's what a, what a way to like erase yourself from somebody's like like right, sphere, right? right? Yeah. Um, but then that that's just kind of like, fuck it, I'm gonna call him. And so he pulls out his cell phone, and he just like cold calls Dale, and he's like, I don't, I would have been terrified. I don't know if he was terrified, um, but Dale answers, and Nat starts like, hey, sorry, you know, sorry, but, you know, we'd sent you this email, and and Dale's response was like, oh, you didn't you didn't get my reply? And we're like, no. And he's like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, come, you guys are on the show. Show up. And so, so Nat hangs up the phone. He's like, okay, everybody pack up. We're driving to Pittsburgh to play with the Melvins. We're like, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, That's so great. Yeah. And so, um, so we drive to Pittsburgh, and we load in. Um, and we're just sort of like waiting around, you know, completely like, like my heart is like just going the whole time. It's like, I can't believe this fucking came together. This is insane. Uh, Melvin sound check. And it's just like the most, you know, every time they play a note, it's the most glorious thing. Um, so they sound check. And then they're like, oh, should we have Jello come out? Do a couple of those songs? And we're like, what? And then so fucking Jello comes out of backstage and they do a couple of Dead Kennedy songs. Right. And at this point, like, I'm literally farting unicorns at this Yeah, yeah, part. okay. Yeah, this sounds all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It seems like an okay night, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then, so yeah, the show happens, and, and you know, um, for the, the the few people who have met or know Jello, they know he's a very, very earnest music fan. Yeah. Like, he is, he's like me and Conan. He loves music. He loves bands. He's the type of person who watches opening bands, and um, he watched this play, and he dug it. So after the show, he's like, um, he's just like, Hey, uh, you guys are great. Um, I'd love it if you sent a couple records to my office. Right. So he gave us the address of the AT office. We're like, okay, awesome. But it was very much like a, like, I just want your records for my personal collection type of thing. Yeah, was, there was he no... is a record collector to end all mm-hmm. record collectors. That mm-hmm. dude loves records. Yeah. Yeah. Especially free uh, ones. Yeah. Yeah. Little tip out there. People want to get to know Jello. Give him a record. Yeah, and especially, like, <laughs> and not necessarily your band's record, but if you find like yeah. a cool, weird record, like he will 
he will engage with you and he will and he'll yeah. probably listen to it at least once. I mean, maybe yeah. send him your band's record. I don't know, but you know that. Yeah, that was that was the subtext of it, which yeah. was that like, hey, I just want your records. I thought you guys were great, and we're like, yeah. yes, sir, jail will be officer. We'll send these records immediately. <laughs> right, sounds okay. Um, yeah, and so we did, and we didn't hear from him. Um, and then uh, after that tour is when Melons and Big Business joined. Right. Or yeah, joined Powers and uh, Jared and Cody were playing with Melvins. And they come through Seattle, but it was, it wasn't, it wasn't that yet. It was when Melvin's did the, the album with Jello. Um, uh, yes. And I've, uh, so it's interesting. I've heard this story from three different people and two of them were on air. Uh, but yeah, they, so they were doing the, this is one of the, the Jelvin's records, the Jell be offering yes. the Melvin's uh, mm-hmm. time period. And then there was a, there was some, oh god! Uh, so, so somebody couldn't make a commitment to do a thing, and uh, yeah, and if I'm, I think like like Dave Scott Stone uh, joined up with them. I think for for a little bit. I'm not remember the timeline exactly. It's been years, but yeah, yeah. It was it was star studded at first. I think the the wasn't one of the original bass players like Billy Gould was in it or something like uh, that. Yeah, uh, it was wasn't. It was uh, 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 Billy Anderson. Maybe I'm trying to remember. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, different. Yeah, Billy. Billy Sorry, yeah, I got my. Man mixed up. Sorry, I got my billies mixed up. It happened. Yeah, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of billies floating around up here. Um, as long as they're not dead. Anyway. Anyways, anyways, that show happens. Joe is like, I want that akimbo band to open. We open. Fantastic. And and then I, we were loading out, and and Buzzo was like, um, Buzzo knew what was up. We did. We had no idea. And he was like, uh, it was after the show. We were outside. He's like, Hey, did you talk to Jill yet? And we're like, no. He's like, go find it. It's downstairs. He goes to talk to you guys. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> so we go find Jello, and he's, you know, he's partying backstage, hanging out with everybody. And then me and Matt go in. We're like, uh, hello, Mr. B officer. And he pulls us into the corner. And he's just like, hey, let's let's make records. Let's do records. Um, yeah. He's like, I've already I've already talked to my 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 manager, you know, AT manager about it. So just get in touch, and we'll figure out the details. And we're like, yeah, cool. Kept it real cool. Me and Nat leave the green room and we just fucking hugged each other. For like, <laughs> yeah. We just like hugged each other for like 10 seconds. That's awesome. I it love was like that. such a moment. Yeah. Yeah. So That's yeah, really that cool. was the first record on Alternative Tentacles. Which is pretty good if you're into that kind uh, of thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> for, forging Steel and Laying Pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which I feel like that's another one that's like legend has grown, right? I mean, you know, Rockness Monster is that, that yeah. that's a great one. Yeah, I mean, what a great I, I, dangerousness is like one of my favorite openers from you guys. Like, that's thank like, you. Comes comes out kicking, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, dangerousness was was a Burke jam. Burke wrote that one. That's a that's a total Burke riff, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, banana man. Uh, and then yeah, Rockness Monster was um, one of the few songs that Patrick wrote and and gave to the band. Um, and it absolutely went down as like one of the air quotes hits. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, that's, yeah, that record's awesome. I'm really proud of that one. And so you, you, you make, you make a very good akimbo record and you're also mm-hmm. having this much wider platform where people are now being exposed to the band for the first time. And this is what fifth record? Fourth record, depending on if you count the first one. 
<laughs> if you consider Harshi or Mello as the first, then I guess this would be the fourth. It's the fourth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fourth full out, full length. Yeah. Uh, um, and, yeah, that was awesome. And you got a whole new audience of, of people that are like experiencing Akimbo for the very first time and don't know you for yeah. roses, right? Yeah. And, you know, honestly, like in, in the US, it didn't make all that much of a dent in terms of like getting more people to show up. People were showing up because we were working, right? Right. Um, but we had done one tour in Europe and it was a total disaster. It was fun, but it was a total disaster. Um, and then we put out the record on alternative tentacles and uh at is still a was at the time a very big deal in europe so that yeah. that Euro european tour we did after putting out that record was like a whole new whole new experience it was awesome yeah so so how that feel was that that feel pretty good it felt yeah. okay i think that i think that was like <laughs> that was sort of like the the, the dream that you imagine when 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 like a label like that comes to you yeah, right yeah, and then yeah, yeah. but then you go on on a u.s tour and you're like oh didn't matter at all but yeah. <laughs> it's just it's still the same um but then that like that europe tour was just like oh fuck, that's awesome all these people like it they like it they like me coded yeah i know my favorite it was described as hey you know we're this band you know we're from here you know we're on this label so okay <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Sure. All right. I get it. I wasn't trying to big time you. I'm just literally trying to tell you who, the, who you're talking to, that like why we are here and why I'm interacting with you. I wasn't trying to like name check or anything. I'm like literally just trying yeah. to tell you. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know I, I think that's awesome. That was an example of for me. You're like, hey, a friend wins lottery. You know. Right. Right. <laughs> the lottery of people's attention that like. And it, it happened was, to work when I, personally, I felt you guys were doing your best work too. Like I feel like as a band, you were you were hitting hardest uh, with the songwriting, mm-hmm. but the live show was still as awesome and brutal as it ever had been. So that's like mm-hmm. a great confluence of sometimes that kind of thing happens and it happens like on the downhill slide a little bit. Totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah. And you're like, I mean, oh, if only this had been a couple of years earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's terrible I'm, to say. No names. Right. I remember like writing that record like we cared a lot we're like this one's important we have to make sure this one is good you know right because you're you're on the same label as uh you know bedtime for democracy and uh you know you know like i've already said in this in this interview that no means no changed my life you know no means no dude you're on the same label as no means no i know it's like just to be just to be in that vicinity was just like it's such it's like still a huge deal he still just gives me chills thinking about it you know yeah, be like, go back and be like, you know, tell tell your twenty year old self, hey, so you're gonna be on the same label as No Means No and Dead Kennedys. Yeah. Oh my God, really? But yeah, no. there's a couple things that's got to happen first. Yeah. <laughs> there's gotta be like, you're, you're gonna spend the next seven years in basically a, a work camp trying to get there. <laughs> uh, yeah. You will not have nice things. No, you you will never own property. You you will hold yeah. no title. Yeah, like. Uh-huh. <laughs> But but yeah, like I mean, that's that's a record again. That like I said, I, I feel like people responded to, and, and to this day, like still kind of like people and an audience gravitated towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're in this position where like, hey, people actually, you know, the, the, we found our audience to a certain degree, uh, which I think every band kind of strives for. 
and, and hopes. You know, it's it's easy to say that in retrospect. Yeah, but, did it um, feel like that at the time, or were you just like, no, all right, doing the work? We're still think, the freaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I think like um, it almost didn't matter, right? Because mm, mm. again, like the whole the whole ethos of the band was just go, just yeah. fucking go fast, go hard, right? Right. And and like we almost never took moments to sort of sit there and be like, this is nice. You know, that was that was yeah. chill. It'd be like, finish the record, tour the U.S., tour Europe, do a West Coast run, do another tour, start writing, next record, do it again, do it again. Right? Yeah, because it, it was like about a one year a one year turnaround, right? It was like two thousand six, yeah. two thousand seven. I, I remember, um, I remember distinctly. That, mm-hmm. I was like, they got another record, Jesus. Yep, yep. <laughs> I was very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like. Our personal lives suffered to some degree. You know, you can't, it's super hard to hold a relationship in that world. It's super hard to hold a job in that world. Um, so yeah, yeah it's, you're, you're it's almost sacrificing easy. your entire regular, quote unquote, regular life for, um, mm-hmm. for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, but talk about, talk about the year. Talk, talk about the, you know, finally finding your audience here and then like the, the, the writing process and going up to navigating the bronze. Like, like what, 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 what was that like? I mean, it hit a little different, right? So, yeah. Okay. So the band kind of falls apart a little bit after forging comes out. So Patrick, our new guitar player, um, had some substance abuse problems at the time that he was dealing with, um, which made, the the availability required to be in a band the way that Nat and I wanted to be in a band was like a job, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, Patrick couldn't hang for those those reasons. And I, I wish the fallout would have been um, more friendly, but it wasn't. Um, it was rough, but you know, I, I hold I hold no grudges at all. Um, we had done a European tour. Right after the record came out, um, Patrick had said that he had no money for his plane ticket, so he couldn't go. I bought his plane ticket because I, again, I refused to stop. Um, so right. I, like, why, I, why let logic or reason get in the way? Exactly. Yeah. So I, I paid for his plane t- ticket to Europe. I think he gave me some money back at some point, but he still owed me about like 450 500 bucks when he quit the band. Um so it was, it was definitely a messy departure. Um, and I, I think he's, I think he, he, he's a little bit more resentful of the situation than I am, but again, I hold no grudges. He was going through some shit that I've never experienced in my life. Um, and so he's last time I checked out on him, he's clean. So um, oh, as far as, as far as I know, he's, he's conquered that, um, and, and moved on. So, uh, so, but yeah, so again, once again, we're in this like, like if you if you just look at what the band has done, it seems like it should be great, right? Yeah, but yeah, then, yeah. It's like go like, up, go, and then like ah. Yeah. Transmission's like, having ah. troubles. Ah. Yeah, we're like we need to find another guitar player again. Oh my god. Um. So we we put the word out. Um. This guy Aaron gets in touch. Mm-hmm. This is another guy we've never met before. Um. But he sends us. Uh, so we had, we had some aspirations too, Conan. We kind of wanted to. Um. We wanted to just like, like didn't call a, me a little, bit, a little <laughs> bit more of that like uh, like spicy classic rock yeah, flavor absolutely into, into the mix. Um, 
I was like, it'd be, it'd be kind of cool to get like someone who could like solo like Kim Thiel or or Jimmy Page or Tony Iommi or something like yeah. that, right? Um, so, so, so yeah, this guy Aaron gets in touch and he sends us a, a song from a band that he's in, and um, and he's a ripper, it's a total ripper. And so we meet him. We're like, hey, come to this bar, hang out with us. We're gonna we're gonna talk, uh, and it is ferociously awkward. <laughs> it's extremely awkward. <laughs> yeah yeah okay yeah um but we're just kind of like ah, it, it seemed like it went fine um and uh yeah so he comes to practice he's a phenomenal musician like he is just through and through a total pro uh we'd given him some songs to learn and he had learned them like perfectly um i can't remember at what point we started writing new stuff but basically like navigating the bronze is like the first one where like the guitar playing is like Eddie Van Halen tier ridiculousness. Right? Yeah, yeah, it, it hits it hits way different because of that, right? Because yeah. it isn't just the that you're uh, <clears throat> laying the pipe. It's just that you know there's a whole foundation that, that goes over the yeah. pipe, and uh, you know, and it could have gone, you know, Operation Mind Crime, and it didn't, you know. So that's yep. good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I think you know, as long as as long as Nat and I are like the majority songwriters, yeah. it probably like it was always gonna like stay in the same orbit. Um, so, and then yeah, so this was like sort of the start of the beginning of the end of Burke being in the band too. Um, right. So we had this man. This is so stupid. Every time I think about this, it's just like the stupidest thing that we ever did. But we had this plan where like I'd always wanted to do a concept album EP, and then we wanted to do our next full-length album for Alternative Tentacles. We had our friend Chris Owens, who used to play in Lords. The, the mighty Chris of, Owens, who... Uh, one of the best fucking bands that ever was. And builds studios now and does a, a goddamn good job. Oh, of yeah. Them. Yeah, yeah. His <laughs> his story about how he got into that is phenomenal. It's should, he's, he's, he's bought so. Tony and I drinks at the, uh, the rooftop of a very tall building that also had a bar and told us about nice. it, and I love it. Yeah, right, I'll save that for when I bring that bro on. We're talking about you. Yeah, yeah, you should definitely have him on. He's oh, yeah, he's yeah. fantastic. So, um, so who knew Chris was in Louisville? He had sort of like told us like, hey, if you ever want to record, I got the studio out here. Um, it was so much cheaper than a Seattle studio, and so I got to thinking maybe we could tour up to Louisville, record two albums in one session, and then tour home. Easy peasy. Oh yeah, you know, normal yeah. dude stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that's that's par for the course for, for yeah, how yeah. we did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just like average um, Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we did. I think there was like a South by Southwest visit in there at some point too. Uh, where we played yeah, like, yeah. Well, like, why limit yourself? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> five, five shows in eight hours, you know. Yeah, usual, usual shit. No possible <laughs> drawbacks. Right. Yeah. So um but again, so remember Bert can't tour with us. So this is kind of like an it's like an awkward moment of the band. It's like Bert, you're not like kicked out or anything, but yeah. um we're going to record two albums without you <laughs> in Louisville. Um, How'd that conversation go? It was, I mean, Burke, we're, we're all still friends. Yeah. That's yeah. I was going to say, it seems like it's okay now. Right. So yeah, there's, okay. there's no ill will. It was, um, it was rough. It was rough at the time. Um, but so, yeah, so we did that and it was, um, it was one of the worst times I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that two weeks in Louisville recording those records. Um, it was so fucking hard. And so this was 
navigating the bronze in Jersey shores, which are recorded in the same session. Yeah. Um, we finished the drum tracks for everything uh-huh. in like five or six days. And Chris's hard drive crashed and we lost it all. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, oh. so, we start, so we started over. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like it, Chris felt oh. awful. Chris felt awful. He sent his hard drive to this like data forensic expert who's been like contracted out by the FBI and shit. Like somebody who knew how to get data <laughs> off of stuff. Oh and this guy was like, hard drive's fucked, man. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we lost. God, what is that? I think navigating was, was about nine songs and Jersey Shores is about six songs. So I think we lost oh. 15 songs of, of drums. And we just had to start it over. And um, and remember, we're on tour, so we have a deadline. Like we have to get back. <laughs> you on don't the road. have unlimited. Time. You can't steely dan this. No. You don't have like two years. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, <laughs> I remember at one point during the session calling up Alternative Tentacles, who is not a wealthy label, by the way, right. and just saying, like, pleading with the general manager at the time, who's Dave, who runs Twenty Bucks Spin, by yeah. the way, he's amazing. Um, but just like begging him for a couple hundred dollars so we could buy groceries while we're living in Louisville recording this album. Yeah. Because we're out of money. Um, but yeah, it was it was so rough. But yeah, so like Nat, Nat just like put his heads down and he finished the same amount of drum takes he'd done in like five or six days. He did it in two days. What a champ. He just crushed it out and he was exhausted. I think he got like super ill after that. Like he... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he like fucked his body so hard. Yeah, I can't can't be um, good for you, you know, the go to go yeah. that hard. Yeah. Over search. And then yeah. yeah, and then so then Aaron and I did guitar and bass and um I did vocals. I did vocals for Jersey Shores first because I was trying a lot more like melody vocal melody on that one. You, you, you don't want to get all raspy when when you you know, do uh-huh. the, do the holler and last is is the yeah, good, good rule. Yeah. And then so I did navigating the bronze when I was like completely spent. It was like the last thing we did on on that whole session, right? And I was yeah. just like completely spent. And um, yeah, there's there's the funny joke meme about the German compliments, you know, <laughs> German show compliments, yeah, yeah. where I literally, I literally, like a couple of years later, had a dude in Germany being like, uh, "Is this record? Um, your voice sounds very tired on this album." <laughs> and I was like. Motherfucker, you don't even know. You Teutonic you bastard. <laughs> I got like, tails for you. It was tired. Yeah, it was tired as fuck. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was that session. And then, so Alternative Tentacles did Navigating the Bronze. Yeah. And then we had done a show with Neurosis in Seattle. And when Neurosis was like, you guys are awesome. Let's do something on Neurot. So we're yeah. like, okay. So we did Jersey Shores on Neurot. Man, yeah. So I mean, and, and at that point, like to an outside observer that's not in the in the band experiencing right. these humbling moments, it's like, oh, Kimbo has the world in the palm of their hands. Yeah, yeah, it would look that way on paper, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> in reality, uh, yeah, it's not, maybe not so much, but you know. Um, <laughs> but but I would say, like, not not to be overly like uh, too humble about it, but like, it was. Um, it had become the thing that we wanted it to be. It was sustainable, right? This, exactly. This... You, had, you, had, you had a band that you had connected with an audience. You're, you're, you're doing the work, uh, both recording and, and yeah. touring, and you're getting yeah. a response to it that is keeps it a sustainable level. 
Yeah. At this point, we had a booking agent too, which is like a huge level up for a band. Oh god. Um, it's like phenomenally such a quality of life improvement when you get a booking agent. <laughs> right. Um. So that was that was awesome. Uh, she she runs Panache, which is now huge. Michelle Cable. Uh, yeah. Yes. But who, uh, I, who, at the time, who, who I know from Eureka. She was. Yeah, she, she I know. was well, and you probably do as well, right? Because that's she yeah. was. She was yeah. the one that brought all the bands to Eureka, and it was like, oh. She did the show for a band I played drums in very briefly. I was like, in, oh, the, in Eureka. I was like, this woman's awesome. She's she's like she's like yeah. the the coolest person in this town. That's awesome. And then like, oh, yeah. little did we know, there's like, oh, she's literally like building an empire right now. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, <laughs> she was she will rule empire. Oh, okay, cool, right on. Yeah. I just. Good um, but yeah, I mean, even even when she started, she was phenomenal at it. She was yeah, really she was always Michelle is like, astounding, super connected. She got us on tour with like Genghis Tron before they signed a relapse, right. and she had us tour. She was super connected to Japanese bands, so we got to tour with like um, Green Milk from the Planet Orange, yeah, and like we right, did an yeah. East Coast run with DMBQ. It was like what what else could you ask for? You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like like looking back on it now, it's awesome. But like you know, in the time of there was like, again, there was just like no moment of like, this is nice. It's always just like, we have to keep going. What's next? <laughs> just, just utterly relentlessly plotting yeah. forward. <laughs> this is not good enough. <laughs> it needs to be better than this. <laughs> ah, the folly of youth. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, what an asshole I was. Jesus. <laughs> so, so, all right. So then you got... Two records come out and you know, relatively rapid-ish succession. Not if it was like if you were CCR and it was like you know the late sixties, early seventies, but like you know, yeah. from perspective of bands that are in the the most of the pantheon of what this show covers, pretty quick succession on on two labels that are pretty fantastic and like kind mm-hmm. of like you know you, you when you, when you're you're saying like hey what would be like who would you like to be associated with yeah. You're yeah. like, hey, it would be pretty cool to, you know, exit. Yeah, I don't know what else you could ask for. Yeah, pretty good. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that 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 session kind of just like set the tone for the the end of the band. Yeah. I think it just it was so that's so grueling, such a grueling pace. So it's like gnarly. an organ trail, organ <laughs> grueling pace, meager rations. <laughs> Dude, yeah, no, that that's real. That's uh, <laughs> that's yeah. that's very real. Um, um, but so I was I was like phenomenally proud of Jersey Shores. Like it was this like fun concept album. It was like a moment for Akimbo to like be a little bit more serious, try and do some like yeah. storytelling. Um, and I'm super proud. I was super proud of it when it came out. And we had this, we were like. Michelle booked this, this amazing U.S. tour. It's like a five-week U.S. tour. We had um, part of it was at CMJ at this like showcase that she had like curated. We're on the main stage. I think this was the tour where we did like a bunch a bunch of dates with DMBQ, um, and it was like I, like this was the one. Like I was like, this is gonna be like this like this moment, right? The tour for this album that I'm so proud of. Um, and that tour was. A disaster. Um, <laughs> and this is the one you're like, oh, now I'll be happy. Now I'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't a, like, like we were getting along fine. Um, and, and like, we were still ex- like, we were excited and enthusiastic, but like the shows were just 
terrible on this tour. Mm. Like there were shows where like nobody would come. Like I remember there's like one show where it's like a cool venue. I don't remember where it was, but like they opened doors and like four people walk in and they were akimbo fans. So they came to see us. Um, but I remember like watching these four people come in and them looking around the room in shock that they were the only ones there. And, and they kind of like, I think I was near or on the stage at the time and they kind of looked up to the stage and I kind of looked at them and we kind of like locked eyes. <laughs> and I was like, Sorry. Man. Like... <laughs> I don't know. Go, um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like, what do you, what do you, like, what, yeah, what can you say or do in that situation, right? I yeah. mean, like, nothing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, we do that tour, and, I mean, there were there were some pretty good shows, but for the most part, it was, it was a huge check for me. I'm just like, yeah, you've been, you guys have been fucking working so hard, and, there's like, I, I have to admit, I had some expectations. Like I felt like there should be more of a return than this, um, yeah. both emotionally and financially, but there's still a deficit in both areas. <laughs> um, uh, and I, th I think that that tour kind of broke me a little bit. I remember um, playing in um, like Portland, Maine before the show, me and Nat walked to go get a sandwich or something. And I'm like, I just had this feeling and I just like vocalized it in the moment. I was like, you know, I think it'd be kind of cool to like, maybe not tour so much and maybe focus a little bit more on writing albums and making sure our albums are better or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and that was not stoked about it. So, <laughs> um, but I was, yeah, <laughs> I was, I was definitely feeling it on that tour. And I think when we got home from that one, um, it was just like I was I was a little bit devastated. And then it's just sort of one of those again, it's sort of like life events sort of conspire to move things in a certain direction. And I get back from that tour. And so I've always worked in my two passions in life have been music and video games. Um, when you say video games, I think the immediate impression is pretty juvenile, but I actually believe video games are the most latest contemporary art form. You know, if you think about like there's classic art forms of like, you know, music and sculpture and paint. Um, and then there's more contemporaries like photography, which movies came from photography. Um, and then you have like video games, which is like a very powerful, expressive art form that's happening on a very technological way with a bunch of like moving parts, like a bunch of like cutting edge technology that comes together with expressive art. Um, to me, they're super inspiring. And I think there's the, the interaction with a human, with a game is, um, like, I think it helps it become a little bit more impactful to people where I, 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 th I feel comfortable saying that, like, you take something even as cheesy as like a Call of Duty game mm -hmm. and say that the players of Call of Duty are still experiencing art in a way that you can't with a movie or a painting. Because it's interactive. Um, I mean, there's, a, yeah. there's a give and take. It, yeah. yeah, it's it's interactive in a way that it allows someone who's experiencing it to create their own story so you can... The, the creators can do all this work to here's here it is this is what it is but as soon as they let it go and give it to someone else then that becomes that person's experience um, it's different from person to person so um yeah so this has been my two passions in music and games i've always i was working in games as a contract tester between tours 
so that I could keep going on tour. Right. So I had a lot of experience. Um, and, and then when I got back from that tour, a friend of mine who I knew from both the band and the music world, Danny Olson, um, was involved in a studio that had just gotten acquired by Warner Brothers, who was like ramping up a bunch of work in the area. And he was just like, hey, if you want to work, they got gigs. So I applied, got a job there, full-time job. First time having a salary and health benefits in like a decade at that point, yeah. right? Those, those are nice things to have, yeah. That... Yeah, yeah. Doing, doing something that I was equally as passionate about. Um, right. And once once that clicked in, then it was like, okay, I think I'm ready for a break. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that was um, that was basically the end of Akimbo. So we did one mean, more record. Yeah, I was gonna say that there was another record, but it, it, it took a minute, record. and there was a sort of degree of finality about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The so. uh, the the record we were mostly done writing that record when um, and the, and the way the way it came about too was Aaron. Our guitar player shockingly shock are you ready aaron quit the band <laughs> no yeah you guys? so uh guitar so, we, so it was like ah, crazy so we're, we're back at we're back at square one and but now i'm like do we do we get another guitar player and keep going yeah or do we just call it a day Look, that's enough yeah so we're like and, and he he left on very amicable terms he's going through some rough shit personally right. but we were there was no ill will at all and Liver we Crush is like, like record seven or something yeah, Re- yeah <laughs> seven, seven albums in 15 years yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right Deck, we get it you know like, yeah <laughs> so we're like um so like yeah let's just let's just finish the album and record it and have that be you know yeah sign off so that's what we did and and funny enough like we do we do that, we do our last album, which we know is gonna be our last album, with Matt Bayless, who's a legend. And it's my favorite album that we've done, both in terms of the songwriting. No, it's very and, good. And yeah. the production. Yeah. Um, and it's it is, it is a tiny slice of irony that like the thing I wanted came together right as we were standing by. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> as, as you're one foot out the door, exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> The thing I wanted, which is like, hey, let's 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 work a little bit harder to make better records that we're more proud of, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we got, I got, I got one, got one. So that's my favorite record. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, and it's, uh, and again, from someone as an outside perspective, or even someone like you know, I was very, very much like kept up with you guys for a long time. Then I got busy with my own shit. Then it was sort of like, wait, mm-hmm. what? They broke up? Yeah. yeah. What? what? No, Akimbo. I'm talking about. <laughs> yep, I know. <laughs> like yeah. I, thought, I just assumed it was, it was like, oh no, I'm gonna be like, you know, those dudes are gonna be like doing it until they're in the grave, you know. Well, we are, and I you am. are, and we'll get to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but like, but it, it was so shocking at, at the time, and then so for me, Sandwriter was such, was a delicious surprise. Mm-hmm. But what what led to Sandwriter? Yeah. Uh, being a band by the way sand rider playing caterwall yes so excited. 2022 uh yeah. may 27th the 30th tickets still available see you there um yeah so sand rider started after that jersey shores tour when i was just like emotionally thrashing yeah um and i was feeling like i was feeling like doing the thing that i love feels like a job 
and it's not a particularly fun job. It's got some perks, right. but it's kind of it's kind of killing me right now. Um, but I knew that like there's there's a couple things that I knew were really important. I knew I wanted to keep playing with Nat because he's essentially like he's my brother that was never you know part of my immediate family, but we're like I consider him a brother. It's like I, I want to keep I want to stay close to Nat creatively, um, and I kind of want to pick up guitar again because I've been playing bass this whole time. And I started on guitar. Um, so Sandrider was just like, it started as just like, Hey, Nat, you want to meet me in the practice space and just like fuck around? I, I just want to play guitar for a little bit. Um, and we did that a couple times and it was just fun. Um, and then, uh, I think what really like stuck with me was just that, that sheer joy of just playing music with your friends and without any expectations or like no shows coming up or no, no album that you yeah. need to like make sure you focus on the song and get it tight because we're going to the studio in a couple months. Like none of that. It was just like, it was the thing that, that just started, started the whole experience, right? Just like playing music with your friends. There's nothing like it. It's better than sex, right? Conan? It's, yeah. If right. you're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or wrong the other way. Yeah. Or wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wrong on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> um, also it depends on like, with who but it, lots of caveats yeah. here basically yes uh, uh I, I reject my previous sentence um <laughs> we regret that yeah no so yeah that, no but that, like that, when, that, it, when, when it when it when it hits when it when everything is is truly working on mm-hmm. the level that you want it to be there is nothing like it nothing nothing, nothing. and the yeah, absence of it is almost worse than oh, anything dude. yeah yeah <laughs> Um, not to get yeah, not, but, not not to get all like you know existential yeah. about it, but as I was like, oh yeah. my god, like I almost wish I didn't know how great it was when it was all happening because it's not happening <laughs> right now. Yep. Uh, so Sam, so, yeah, so when do you get Jesse involved? So we um so we, we do it a bunch. I, I had a couple song ideas that are on the first thing that Nat and I had sort of like started to figure out. We're like, okay, this is fun. Let's get a bass player. Um, we first asked Brian Cook. <laughs> And he's like shoot for the sorry. stars, MFR man. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but, I mean, like we know him, right? But he's, yeah, he's he's, he's a dude. He's around exactly. Yeah. You know him from, yeah. from way. He's a type bro from way I mean, back. <laughs> so we know, yeah, we know he's good, right? Yeah, he's know, okay. Um, he's getting good. We know we can hang. We know he knows how to like just chill and hang with with musicians and stuff. But like you know, he's doing he's busy in Russian circles. So it's yeah. like okay, no, no, no worries. And then we asked um, Ben Verellen, and also good. He was a free agent at the time that we thought. I was gonna say that was that, like, that was that was pre Helmsley post Harkonnen, right? He was yeah, and he was like, you know, I'm 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 playing with these girls down in Tacoma, and it's kind of cool, and I think I'm gonna stick to that for a oh, little yeah, bit. Yeah, and turned then, out that worked okay. <laughs> yeah, right. What happened right. to that guy? Anything? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. All right. I would say that was a very good choice on his behalf. Exactly. And then yeah, and then so uh, I'm getting tattooed one day. And uh, it's Jesse, who's the bass player in the Ruby Doe. The goddamn um, Ruby Doe, who I yeah. absolutely think is one of the best bands of that era that just nobody gave a, a damn. Dude, about. they were almost they were almost huge. I they mean, were like this close to going major. I, I always thought it was it was like oh they're like one kind of cool break away from like something amazing happening. They 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 got the break and the break fell apart. Like it was like this close to happen. Really? It's, okay. It's a bummer. Yeah, that their their album Always with Wings was like destined for radio rock like it was going to be huge it's a bummer wow um, i'll have those bros so, on and we'll talk about it we're talking about yeah Sam yeah, now, uh, so. yeah no aaron and aaron and jesse <laughs> I, I mean look 
like I'm, I'm I, th- this is the show that has no pretenses like I'm, I, I, I you, you know what I mean it, it's like I I adore that band and like as yeah. I was first time I played with them I was like these these guys are they're doing everything right this is fantastic oh yeah yeah they're yeah they're and then, and then Aaron made us listen to Steely Dan for like three hours, and I was <laughs> so wasted. I was so drunk, John. You have no. And I, I was like, "What is happening right now?" And, he, and he's like, "No, no. Here, here's the next one we're gonna listen to." I'm like, "We're listening to more." Okay. <laughs> I bet he's a he's a crafty motherfucker. I bet he knew exactly what he was doing. No, he, he didn't. Oh, that, that dude knew exactly what he was. Doing. And like, I wasn't against it. I was. I was just like. I was just like. I did not expect this. <laughs> this so was a, this was an unexpected result for a dude who has been on tour for like you know whatever three weeks or whatever, yeah. and just thought he was partying with his bros. But okay, we're partying, listening to this. No, no, the stereo, the stereo phasing on this one. Oh my god. Okay, sh- sure, yeah, cool. <laughs> and I, and then I'd be like, Chris, do you know what he's talking about? <laughs> I mean, while Ben's That's like, so oh well, the thing about the recording of this is the blah blah. I'm like, oh, of course you fucking know all about it. All right. Uh, anyway. So yeah, uh, getting tattooed by Jesse, and you know we're we're talking between great player, of pain, like as really, yeah. really, just yeah. badass player, absolute, absolute crusher. Yeah. Um, and so we're just like, I just mentioned, I was like, hey, well, uh, me and Nat been doing a new thing. You want to just come down and jam with us one day? It's like, and he was stoked, and he was like, yeah, I'll do it. So we set it up, and um, yeah, that was one of those moments where, you know, we show him show him the riff. Uh, first song we played was Children, which is the first song nice. in the first album. Yes, yeah, show him the riff. He plugs in and it's just like it's like he had been playing with us for months. It just yeah. fucking he was just like in the pocket with Nat. It just clicked. And yeah. Did a couple more songs and it was just like there's no reason not to keep going. So but that's so Sandwriter started as a rejection of the emotional space I was in with sort of like going through the ringer of a Kimbo. Just like I don't want expectations i don't want to feel like i'm accountable to anything i just want to play music with my friends that's it and i want to play shows and just have fun it's very much like trying to get back to like the emotional centering that i needed at the time for like reconnecting with the art and reconnecting with my community yeah and then, i mean you got you have songs like chris knife that are on there right like which Oh yeah, I was I was reading Dune for the first time when that band started. Yeah, so I, I, was like, I was gonna say I was oh, like, oh. <laughs> I mean, look, I've said it many times on this show, and I'll say it again. If if you if you're gonna spend your musical career catering to Kona Neutron, you're not gonna be very successful. But I'll be happy. Uh, but I was like, oh, this is a product for me, right on. You know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. And to me, it, um, it, it kind of seemed like it hit a little different because it was sort of like, yeah, it's still like loud rock is music, but it, it's like there was a little bit more idea of melody behind it mm-hmm. uh, to a certain degree. Like it seemed like you were sort of going down that route a little bit, especially, um, well, especially later on. But like, I, I think that once you had the idea of what it was with the first record, then it's sort of like, oh yeah, cool, let's 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 explore this. It it kind of had mm-hmm. its own feel to it, even though obviously like two of the t- it's two of the dudes from McKimbo, and that's not going to change. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, trying a little more, a uh, little more melody to the vocals, a little less all, all screaming, all pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, a, a little sound garden started to creep in. Absolutely. Yeah, huge influence. Yeah. Like super, super unknown as a desert island, desert island album yes. for me for sure. Yeah. So then. You're you're starting to kind of like live a life, 
that is not being on the road 100% of the time and yeah <laughs> and doing yeah, this. Well, my yeah my my career in games is like is like taken off doing and okay. like really really awesome and inspiring and and exciting you know I'm turns out people at, like video games who knew yeah 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 well, and, and i'm landing at companies that are that are awesome you know and um, working on games that i enjoy as a player as well as a developer you know so yeah yeah it was it was it was like a yeah exciting turn point shift in priorities so you, you shift the priorities but like the the riffs are still heavy like you know they, of course it's, it's it's you know like it, it, you're you're still putting out an output that is going to be for the people that it's for but but you're not doing it as like the lifestyle right oh yeah totally right yeah so then you you so you do that you do this the this the first record the the one in 2011 so 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 going into godhead right like yeah. what, what do you what do you think about when you're going into that into that record um well so the, uh the first album was recorded for like years before it came out we recorded it okay. as a demo and we just sat on it <laughs> um and then this guy nick in seattle started a label um good and to he die. was just like yeah yeah good he's like i'm, I'm starting good to die records like do you guys want in we're just like okay <laughs> uh because we had we had no aspirations of trying to move outside of seattle and you know the the thought of somebody like you know putting in time and, and work into getting our music out there was nice we're like okay yeah sounds great um but then yeah so then we were like, okay, let's do a follow-up. And I think, you know, um, the first album sounds like a bunch of ideas. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's like you're throwing stuff against songs. the wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, totally. No, no, not in a bad way. Like, it's yeah. got it's got an easy feel to it in that way. But it's also like, oh, huh, didn't expect that. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then I think Godhead is a little bit of, like, cherry-picking of, like, themes and stuff that we, we liked. We make a little bit more of a cohesive experience definitely and it came across that way uh you know there and then the you know you have the the packaging and the artwork with the sort of like a almost like cthulhu-esque looking you know craziness going yeah. on there you know like it, it's, jesse yeah jesse yeah. paints that shit he's he's a very good artist it, it's uh it, it it created an ethos and style fairly early on this i feel like you didn't have to know akimbo to to be in the sand rider at all oh yeah i don't think so but like i think if if you do know akimbo you can hear um, it makes sense yeah yeah i would hope i think i feel like sand rider guitar playing is just like how i play bass but on guitar so. <laughs> to a certain degree i guess sure yeah okay. <laughs> Uh, so then you're doing this band, but you're also like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I need to go on to, are you just sort of like, I feel like I'm done doing that or is it, are you still just like, no. Hey, let's concentrate on other things. Yeah. It's so it's, um, it's, it's more like I've, I'm valuing my career. I want it to grow. I don't want to leave my job because I like my job. Um, <laughs> right. You actually dig it to this way. Yeah. And you're doing something creative with it too. That's bringing yeah. value to people. Yeah. And, and at this point, like I'm, I'm getting married to my girlfriend who is Maria and she's been, she's been with me through most of Akimbo. Right. Yeah. And when we meet, when we met, I was like, this is the deal. Like, I like you a lot. You like me a lot. I, but I live to crush. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm just so sorry. Like I'm going to be doing this fucking yeah. touring thing. And it, as as we know, it wrecks relationships. It's like one of the biggest hurdles. 
Um, but so she stuck with me through all of that. And to me, that's like, I still think of that as like such a, uh, what a gesture of love, right? Yeah. It's because they give that woman an award. <laughs> I know. I know. And so like, so, uh, so yeah, we get married and I'm focusing on my career and like, I don't know. I just like, I, I wasn't super driven to go on tour and, um, and it kind of sucks too, because like Sandrider kind of took off a little bit in a way that we didn't expect for like a Seattle only band, yeah. but like, like, you know, it came a tour with the sword a bunch and like the sword would be like, Hey, Sandrider want to come out? We're like, Nope, sorry. <laughs> like, right, right. We're think, doing a different thing I, now. Yeah. Yeah. I think Red Fang asked us a couple times. It was just like, like tours of Kimbo would kill, like, like literally murder. <laughs> We would strangulate a child to be in that yeah, tour. Like, nope, yeah. nope. I would like, I would get out of my car and leave it there, and walk into a tour van, and just like, like. Well, that's like when Quiddy was like, they turned down opening for Motorhead. I'm like, are you really, really? That's insane. Like, that's like, that's insane. like, was anybody checked for like, you know, brain worms or something? Like, why did, why would you do this, such a thing? Like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, like, Come on. Um, <laughs> it's not that. But yeah, so I think that 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 went into it a little bit, whereas like. Uh, there's there's a some kind of a debt owed here. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The other, gonna, the other side has to stick around for a bit. And right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna not be a douchebag as you know, first couple of years of marriage and I'm gonna, you know <laughs> Put in the work. Do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna honor the sacrifice that this person made to me because they love me, you know. It's like it's yeah. That's good. Um and then uh and then yeah, Nat got married as well. And then he had a kid. I had a kid. He had another kid. So these are things that sort of conspire to, to keep Sandrider very local and manageable. Um, there was a point though where I started to feel the itch again, and I started to see like, oh, maybe it'd be it'd be cool. And I think it was like, yeah, it was, it was around um, probably around the time Armada was spinning up, and I was like, fuck. Which, which it'd be kind of cool to go out and play some shows. Pretty ripper record, dude. That's Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, when I heard um, that, I was like, hey, these other records are good, but oh, they, they found a thing here. This yeah, is, yeah. This is Armada. Armada's nice. Came together. I love it. I love working with Matt because he <laughs> he takes your band and he likes all the, all the rough edges go away. And he's like, here's you at your best. Right? And it's just like... I don't know. It makes it, it makes me it makes me so much more proud of what I do when when you take the time and money to go work with someone like Matt who gets it and has the skills to like give it back to you in that way. Like it's really special to pull it off. Um, yeah, absolutely. Why yeah, not? yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, and then uh, yeah, then we had kids, and then um, so that kept us home for a long time, and then it was it was like just before COVID hit that like okay our kids are like you know maybe seven, we could do a thing yeah 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 it's like the oh the never mind of, yeah it's like, the, like the shock of being parents has like kind of like subsided a little bit like uh, i could maybe figure something out where you know like maria could solo watch the kid and like you know we could maybe start doing like weekend warrior trips or like west coast runs and stuff but yeah. nope then the world ended yeah <laughs> uh, but i mean that's not where the story ends necessarily you know and, no. and, and, and like i like the fact that you you found a way to make it interesting and keep it sustainable and also you know 
Like all all love to those early Akimbo records, but like you know, how many records like that can you make? You know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like like literally, you'll just destroy your your voice. Totally, like, <laughs> totally, yeah. Like just from a pure technique perspective, I'm not talking about the songwriting. I'm talking about yeah. just from like, yeah. you know, I, I, and that's one of the things I like most about sandwriters. You keep all the intensity, but it's you know, it's a little different. Like the the the, the songs, mm-hmm. you know, they they play out in different ways. Like sure, if you're into like Red Fang or Carp or Helmsley or whatever, you'll find something that's that's there, but it's it's got its own voice, and you know the the songs work. Like and it's uh, you know, and I I love the fact that you're like yeah, what, was you like on the band camp? You're like we don't tour, come to us or something along. Yeah, he comes. To us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I just love the sheer shoots of that. I mean, that that's awesome, you know. Like, uh, but yeah, but I I think it's it, it's a band doing its best work, and it's a, hilarious to me as that band does its best work to find people like going back 10, 15 years and finding those old records and be like, hey, this is really the shit. That, now, now you, you're now okay, all right. That's, yeah. I mean, I guess it's a <laughs> yeah, minor miracle yeah. anyone listens to anything at all or pays attention to anything at all. Anyway, yeah. but, um, I mean, I think I think Sandwriter is really cool stuff, and I'm excited to actually finally see you play uh, some live this, oh, yeah. this spring. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Like, the emotional deficit that is backed up from – it's like Sandwriter didn't tour, but we played a lot, right? Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. can't – can't you know, Conan, you can't turn it off, man. No. You can't, can't stop. <laughs> it's like being know? a serial killer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is in a way, but like, like the good part of your brain. Not the yeah, bad yeah, part yeah, of your brain. yeah, exactly. Not, <laughs> but like, less with the killing part, except for killing it every night, bro. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, we were we were playing at minimum once a month in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we we play a lot in Seattle, um, and yeah, like not being able to play. Did one show last year. Yeah, and then like shit got crazy again, and then it's been about a year since we played a show don't have anything booked right now and like the um the emotional release that i'm going to have in minneapolis at catamall <laughs> it's going to be like like i need stand it back so people give, give me some room <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah 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 it's uh <laughs> but yeah i mean that's like nuclear dudes has, has kept me from absolute insanity which is great and, and everyone uh so yeah, yeah nuclear dudes go uh get it on Bandcamp. Um, if you're like me and can't spell or George Bush and you see yeah, nuclear <laughs> dudes, the, uh, the first EP is official launch day is tomorrow. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, yeah. so go get that there uh, on all the uh, social medias, Instagram and uh, Twitter and uh, Friendster and MySpace, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's cool, man. It, it, it's a good, it's a good record. And you know I'm picky, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's it's good, like it, 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 it's and it's good in surprising ways, which which is which is nice. And it's, it's yeah, so yeah, thanks. I think I surprised myself a lot writing that, I, and I, and I think I I hope it uh, I hope people that listen to the show check it out yeah. because I think that again you can be into that without necessarily being a Sandwriter or a Kimbo fan or anything along those lines and and, and yeah, it definitely it. speaks to more of a metal audience for sure. But that's like I've always I've always loved extreme metal ever since forever. Yeah. Um, and the um, the people that I've ended up 
sort of my tribe that I've ended up playing music with, like, like it, but they don't love it like I do. And so Nuclear <laughs> Dudes has also been a really cool outlet in that sense where I can, like, I can get out some of that, like, um, you know, just, like, appreciation for this music that's been really important to me for a long time and sort of, like, I don't know, try try a little bit without having to know how to play the drums that good because I use program drums. <laughs> well, I mean, it's... <laughs> I don't know if this makes sense or not, but I feel like the love for that comes through for it. Good. And, yeah. and that can carry so. something along even when somebody's not necessarily into it. Or, yeah. or so I hear. I don't know. That's what other yeah. people tell me. <laughs> uh, John, this has been awesome. This is this has been so overdue, and I'm so glad. Yeah, this has been wonderful. It. It's been great to talk to you after listening to the show. So. <laughs> I was going to say, it's actually, I think the last time I talked to you was when I was on your show, so my right? bad. But, uh, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I'll put all the, the the varied and various links in in the in the show links. And I, and I dare say, if you're into Protonic Reversal, you should absolutely listen to and subscribe to and all the things with uh, Tomorrow We Die because it, it's yeah, it's right down the line. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the Nuclear Dudes record is rad, and I'm stoked. What's up next with Sandwriter? We just finished an album and a single. Shit's coming out soon. That is fantastic, and and yeah. I, I I love to hear it. Can't and I can't wait to hear it. Um, so John, you've heard the show. You know the deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question, only can question I ever ask, Ugh. folks. Right? Yeah, yeah. Why do you do what you do? I mean, you kind of just got to go back and start the whole interview over, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's an aerobus. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's. I, I think it's the thing I just said, which is you can't stop, right? Like, um, I think you gotta, uh, there's, it, it's hard putting it in words. I don't know. It's like, you have to I think the, um, the, the deficit I felt when COVID happened and I couldn't like before the vaccines, when everything was still raw and scary, and you and like you knew it was going to be a long time. You know how long it was going to be. No, there's a, like everyone's still figuring out like how bad it is, how infectious it is, and like we have a kid. We're being super safe. We're just like staying home, not going anywhere. Um, that the deficit that I felt of not, like being forcibly removed from this thing that's just been part of my life since I've like been ten or eleven or so. Um, was was a deep deep cut it was rough um and then yeah it's just sort of like i don't i wouldn't say it made me like i realized i was like taking anything for granted but it definitely punctuated like how important this is and i know just from talking to all my colleagues that they all, everyone was going through the same shit right it's like a fucking crisis man it's like you're um when you do it in the way that we do with such little return, just because you love it, it becomes your identity. It becomes part of who you are because how you present yourself to the world and how you interact with the world and how you give and how you take and like, it's just, it's just who we are, man. You have to, you can't not do it. And I, and I think if you don't do it, you're, you're going to get real sad and depressed and end up writing a shitty solo project. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think that's, I don't think there's a why. I don't think there's a why. I think it just is like, you just, you got to. 
John. Yeah. Thank you so much, my brother. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, I love uh, you, man. I'll, I'll love you too, and I'll see you in May, man. And I'm looking forward yeah. to it. It's gonna it's be good. great. And I'll, I'll listen to your beautiful voice on your podcast. While, <laughs> while <I'm waiting. laughs> I can't stand it, but I like I like that other people do. Uh, be well, man. All right. Take care, brother. Ciao. Bye. Oh, there he goes. <sighs> John Wysowski, what a great guy, man. Love that dude. That, that guy is, uh, that's been a long time coming. Uh, let's, let's hear it. Let's hear a banger.
can't sleep. Nuclear dudes. That's nuclear dudes. That is definitely still nuclear dudes. <laughs> Bad at sleep. Uh, nuclear dudes. Bandcamp.com. N u c l e a r d u d e s. Ah, that's John, man. That's John doing his business, and it's a it's it's an interesting record, man. I, I, I dig it. It's it's worth checking out. Before that, we had Sandrider with Banger appeared in Cattle World 2022. That's our Armada, and we of course had a little band called Kimbo. Yeah, you hear those guys? You hear these guys, Paul? Is these Kimbo? And, uh, of course, that was, what was that? <laughs> was, oh, uh, da- Dangerousness, the first song on uh, 14 Steel and Lane Pipe. Stone. That was John. John Wisniewski. He's a uh, uh, Tomorrow We Die podcast. It's good. It's on the internet. I like it. It's the weird stoner cousin of this show. And Sandwriter, sandwriter.bandcamp.com. Of course, Nuclear Dudes, Nuclear Dudes at bandcamp.com. You can find all the Akimbo stuff, akimborocks.bandcamp.com. So um, all the records are still there. All the records still slap. It's a good time for all involved. Uh, the name of this show is Coding with Trump's Proton Conversal. Thank you so very much for listening to it. The show airs Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific on RadioNoteRadio.com. ProtonConversal.com for the archives. Always free. No ads, no sponsors. No kidding. But if you like the show, want to get episodes sooner, and want to support it, Patreon.com slash ProtonConversal. $1 a month will get you there. Lots of new stuff coming up. I've had a lot of time free up. Stick with it. And thank you very much. Stay safe out there. Take it easy. to my top 10.
I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. Broadcasting if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. See?